Hey, we're live. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Jason Kamsky. Hey, Sean. Hey, everybody. Man, I'm so excited. Um, you probably have the two coolest jobs in the world. You sell beer and you train people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I do two things that I that I love very much. Um, a lot of times, though, I think uh, you know everybody thinks the grass is greener, and everybody just sees a job in the beer alcohol industry yeah. as uh, as this great thing. And then, I mean, obviously, well, I got nothing bad to say about CrossFit. Everybody loves CrossFit and loves the wants to be a CrossFit coach. But uh, you know, there's a there's hard days and there's good days. But yeah. for the most part, I think I put myself. Uh, in a cool position. Yeah. Beer and fitness. Beer and fitness. Doesn't get better. I would imagine that working in, in the beer industry can challenge your, uh, your health in a lot of ways. You know, I would imagine that there's a lot of drinking and opportunities to drink. And if you're trying to, you know, balance your health, maybe that's not something you want to be doing every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a joke in this industry. I think I was trying to allude to this earlier that, you know, when you're in sales, you know, nobody really, uh, you don't punch a clock, you don't see your coworkers all day, but it's very independent. Yeah. You're just out there doing stuff. So you just kind of have to trust that the salesperson that you hire or work with is doing their job. And the joke is basically you can tell they're doing their job when they gain 50 pounds in a, in a half year. <laughs> you know, they look like they need more sleep and they've got that gut, which right. means that they're out at restaurants, you know, not just drinking, but supporting the restaurants that sell our beer. So yeah. maybe that's uh, too many burgers and fries at a bar. Maybe it's too right. much beer. Um, but yeah, uh, al- alcohol and its relation to my health is a, is a huge thing. Yeah. Huge thing. I think it, at 32, my body has started to autocorrect a little bit mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, you didn't get hungover in the past and now it's not just a hangover, but it's a two-day hangover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so my body's told me that you gotta gotta take care yeah so i think even though uh i certainly drink more than your average bear i'll still be the person who uh around about 10 30 is like i'm out yeah you know um i'll be the first one going home um but god it tastes good bro yeah it's so it's so good and and port city's the the beer you rep and it's um it's it's delicious it's really good yeah port city brewing out of uh alexandria um a company i've been with for uh for about seven years basically since the beginning right yep yep um signed on as the first salesperson and now i'm the uh sales sales manager sales director so i saw that they have a patent for the for for something some hop infusion thing yeah what's that all about well yeah so um we have a hop cannon called the hop zuka yeah, that's what um, it, is. it was custom designed bar by our head brewer Jonathan Reeves, who uh, is a rocket scientist. He uh, came up with the design, and then he had the people who made our our brew house, our brewing equipment, uh, JV Northwest out of Portland. They yeah. uh, they custom made it to his specifications. And basically, uh, when a, when an IPA smells like you know pineapple and weed and dank and you know it's hoppy as shit, yeah, in the smell, not just the taste. Right. That's called dry hopping, yeah. which means that you ferment the beer for what a week. And then you add some more hops even yep. then. Um, and uh, the typical way a brewery would do that, and, and lots of world-class breweries do this, is they make the beer, then they slap a ladder on the side of their fermenter, which is probably two stories tall. They climb up, they open it, and they just dump it in. Yeah. Um, but that exposes oxygen to the, uh, to the system. Yep. And uh, like I said, lots of good breweries do that, and it's probably not a big deal. But if you want to set the standard, mm. uh, you can't introduce any oxygen into yeah. the system. So it's basically it's a pressurized hop cannon. It sounds like a plane taking off when uh, when awesome. it shoots the hops into the beer. 
That's cool. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you do that anytime you dry hop? Yeah. Or is it for because the the hops that you add during the boil, I guess, don't matter if they're introduced to oxygen because it's open anyway. Yeah. Um, well, basically, whenever the beer is exposed to oxygen, chances are it's either in an enclosed system or it's boiling or fermenting. So I think right. I think a lot of the uh, the gas that pushes off from the boil or the fermentation tends yeah. to push away the oxygen. Okay. So um, the only opportunity for it to be exposed a ton to the oxygen is, uh, you know, after yeah. fermentation. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, how do you balance? <clears throat> how do, how do you like? How do you balance, you know, not gaining that 50 pounds and becoming wholly, totally unhealthy as a beer sales rep? Do you just set, like, really strict boundaries for yourself? Is yeah. it just a lot of discipline? Yeah, you know, and it's it's a process that took years, you know. Uh, as a CrossFit coach, a lot of people come over and they say, you know, what do you eat? How, you know, how do you eat that way? And, right. then, and then I'll describe it and they're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. And, I mean, you know, I, I think I just got lucky at, you know, 19. I went a little bit crazy. Yeah. And decided to really, really dial in the nutrition. And luckily, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old guy, if I fell off the wagon a little bit, you know, I didn't immediately gain 20 yeah. pounds. You could bounce back. Super yeah, easy. so it's, I mean, it's literally been a 10-year process of, of making strict dietary standards the norm for me. Like, yeah. I don't even think about it anymore. Right. Uh, so most people, you know, they blame the beer gut. The, you know, the, oh, they had five beers and I've got a beer gut. And the way I always see it is, well, you had five beers and then you ate a whole fucking pizza. Yeah. You know? And so... And the, beer, see, the beer gut comes from the beer lifestyle. It's everything. It's yeah. not just the alcohol. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of research on alcohol and the way that your body responds to it. Undoubtedly, I don't make the gains that I should. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I could squat a little bit more. But at the same time, I think I'm lucky that my nutrition covers up for it. Yeah. But no doubt my car has a flat tire. For sure. But I mean, that's also, that's also life, you know, like shouldn't like life isn't buying the nicest car in the world and then never taking it to top speed. Yeah. You know, life should be a little bit of, you know, driving around with a flat tire and, yeah. you know, like in, enjoying it. Yeah. Obviously with balance, if, if every day is, is, is a party, then no day's a party. Right. And so, um, I think that's, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I don't know if I would want, if, if I don't know, I don't, I don't think I, I, I'm, I'm long past the days of, of like competitive swimming and yeah. caring about hundreds of seconds. You know, if I, if I lose a little on my friend time, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but, I, um, yeah, I mean, it comes down to what your goals are. And I think more than most of us would like to admit, a lot of it's just physical appearance. I yeah. was talking to my uh, my lovely girlfriend Morgan about this last night. Um, I'm not a great sleeper, and honestly, what I think that comes down to is probably the alcohol kind yeah. of messing with it. And uh, you know, it's like it's it's about who's in control. And I think I think you talk about this a lot, probably on your other episodes of podcasts, right? Like, yeah, I don't I don't really care that much about my friend time. Um, so I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'll have three beers and hang out with my friends. It just comes down to who's in, in control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if I need to have a six pack every night, you know, I might need to reevaluate the situation, but right. if I'm losing a little bit of sleep because you know, uh, that, you know, two beers interferes with your, with your sleep cycle, I'll, I'll bounce back. Yeah. Well, luckily I don't do much at nine o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, <laughs> your sales don't happen at nine o'clock and as much as you might want me to, uh, I don't know if I could ever coach the 7am or 6am. <laughs> 
Um, but the point I was trying to make was that, like, you know, if you look good and feel good and probably not that concerned about maybe some of your numbers or what's going on inside. Like, for example, you know, people who are skinny, they might not be strong. They might be kind of soft, if you will. That's, you know, CrossFit uh, verbiage there, a little soft. Little, little they might have, you know, bad, uh, bad blood markers, um, liver markers, who knows. But, like, if they don't look overweight and it's appealing to the people around them in the kind of that evolutionary sense, I mean... What do they? What do they care about? What's going on inside? So you can overlook lots of very, very important health issues if you look okay. Um, and this is my rant, uh, my way of saying that. You know, just because we look strong because we do CrossFit doesn't mean we should overlook everything else. But to your point, sometimes you should for fun, for your life, for your social, for your social well-being. But yeah, and it's it's to me it's super important that 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 happens in balance and i mean i i guess just getting back to the idea that if it's a party every day then no day's a party if like if if you're living each day and you're you know if you eat pizza every day and then you're drinking you know maybe three or four beers every night and you're just living unhealthy and then you go on vacation well vacations when you're supposed to let loose and go crazy right yeah and so then it's you know you got to step that up, but your body feels so crappy and so run down from the, from the lack of maintenance you've given it that you don't have any buffer. And so I, you know, and, and again, this is, this is an evolution, you know, so this, this is not where I was shoot two months ago, let alone two years ago. Sure. But where I'm at today is this idea of living with, with discipline or as much discipline as I can, as much discipline as I can, I can evolve into, you know, doing each day. And focusing on my health and focusing on my sleep and focusing on my workouts and focusing on my mobility and my nutrition and, you know, focusing on all these little things so that when I want to relax, there's a bigger gap between discipline and relaxation. And it's not, you know, that way it feels like a vacation. It doesn't just feel like, oh, well, this is just another day in a different climate. It's like, wow, I'm. I'm on vacation. Yeah. I don't have to work out, but I kind of want to. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I don't have to eat right, but I feel a lot better when I do. Yeah. You know? And I think that's I think that's a that's one of the reasons why I think it's super important to stay on the track and stay disciplined. I don't know. Yeah, eventually you grow to want it, you know, and even on vacation, you know, I'll want to work out, you know. And yeah. whoever I'm on vacation with is gonna uh, hate that, but you know, it's just a part of who I am at this point, just as, you know two glasses of red wine but not three are a part of the person that I've become Um, and you know having dressing on the side and telling them I don't want any kind of starch on my plate it's just you know it's 10 years in the making Um, right so what is what is the the Jason uh, guide to eating right like do you do you prescribe by paleo or or yeah yeah yeah. so you know when I first got into uh, fitness and nutrition um, what was really trendy was uh, there was a book called Protein Power. Atkins was big at the time, and then uh, the South Beach Diet was big at the time. Oh yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and I don't mean to like you know push any of those, but basically my uh, my introduction, my upbringing to nutrition was that if you want to be healthy and lose weight, you get got to cut the carbs. Yeah. And so I would say at this point, I've kind of balanced uh, the paleo and the low carb yeah. um, aspects of it. Uh, and I think I've thrown in a little bit of uh, fasting just because, you know, I kind of like it when I don't eat. I just, yeah. I just feel focused, through, uh, you know, through the first half of the day. 
um, when I don't eat breakfast. So yeah, do you I'll, just do you jump straight to lunch? Um, it depends. Honestly, I'll I'll okay, probably just I'll probably just have some kind of uh, you know little meal before I work out, so I'm not like super hungry while I'm working out, and then I'll just try to eat two thousand calories afterwards, yeah. and that's probably three three times a week. But again, my point is though that for me, it's been. 10 years of, of learning about myself yeah. in a situation where luckily because, you know, I'm a guy and I was just naturally active that I'm not, you know, in a bad spot if I eat a whole whole pizza, right. you know, my all of my results aren't, you know, destroyed. And again, that's lucky because I was just a, a young guy with a metabolism. Yeah. But I think first and foremost, you got to look at the carbs on your plate mm-hmm. and consequently, uh, you know, if that's the major issue, I'm not super concerned about uh, some of the things that are allowed on low carb but not on paleo, like cheese and dairy yeah. and uh, you know maybe a couple artificial sweeteners here and there. Yeah, um, grains, rice. Yeah, grains and rice got to go. Um, rice, I've I've come to terms with on days where I work out really hard. Yeah, um, that starch is good. But yeah, but on days where I don't work out, I you know I just yeah. assume go zero carb. Um. So non-workout days, you're. I mean, we're talking like super low. I mean, yeah, like a salad. Yeah. So basically, all of the all of the carbohydrates that would come from dense leafy greens. Right. Like I'm even, you know, not into uh, what you would call like the high calorie, low nutrient fruits and vegetables. Like a date. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like like dates got to go. Bananas and apples got to go. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, what the crazy thing about the apples is, like, if you go to Whole Foods, the apples are the size of three fists. Yeah. But you can buy, like, the pre-packed bag, which is a problem because half of them are bruised. But if you look at the pre-packed bag, they're all about the size of a, of a lacrosse ball. <coughs> right. And that's the size an apple should be. Yeah. Um, so I lay off all those. Uh, you know, I'm not racing to the dinner table if it's, like, eggplant and tomato. These are, you know, low-nutrient, high-calorie yeah. so, um, vegetables. Are you Have you ever played around with going just straight keto? Have you played around with that idea? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm past that at this point because I'm physically uh, where I want to be. Yeah. And by physically, I mean what I look like. Yeah. You, um, you're not looking to lose a lot of body right, fat. Right, right. In fact, if anything, I needed to gain weight. So yeah. my goals right now would be performance and if performance is your goal you obviously have to look at the right carbohydrates at the right time yeah um if weight loss is your goal you've got no business having a bunch of carbs unless you're having serious issues like uh i've read but i can't confirm that you know sometimes when when people cut the carbs completely their immune systems are a little weaker um and some people maybe guys might have some you know uh blood flow issues if you will None of those things happen to me, but, you know, assuming your goal is weight loss and assuming you have no weird health effects, and I'm not saying low carb is, it's common to see these, these weird effects, but I've, I've heard of such things. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, like one, one misconception that, that I, that I had for a long time that I've started to come over is the idea that low, low carb doesn't mean vegetables. It just means picking the right like you said, the, the vegetables that pack a punch. A low-carb dinner is chicken and a giant kale salad with a healthy fat dressing. But, dude, do you want to know? Like, I used to not do kale and only eat spinach and, um, and chard. 
Yeah. Because spinach and chard don't have the starch content that kale and collards, which are thicker greens, yeah. do. But we're still talking about over a over a giant bowl, like twelve right. carbohydrates. Yeah. But I used to only look at the nutrition facts. Yep. And I was like, kale's too many carbs. This was probably a, a four month period of my six month period right. of my life when I was like twenty two. Yeah. So it takes sometimes it takes being a little bit crazy to to come back around to yeah. the middle ground. And I've been I've been doing a lot of research and reading and listening to podcasts about uh, the starch being super important food for your gut biome. I don't know if you've heard that. Uh, that's a little bit beyond my. Uh, my level of expertise, if you will. Um, I, you know, if you want to talk about it, I, I eat a lot of fermented foods actually. Yeah. Um, for example, things that are not paleo friendly, but I think are good on low carb. I eat a ton of yogurt. This yeah. is certainly unsweetened, full fat, plain yogurt. Um, ton of, a ton of kimchi, especially there's a lot of hipster brands now that instead of just cabbage, they make kale chi. Yeah. Um, cause you know, cabbage is uh, low calorie, low, low nutrient density. Yeah. Um, well so, that's what I, Kelchi, that's what they serve at a uh, um, tuck. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a local company called Number One Sons. Huh. Um, they do all kinds of fermented things. They're found at all the local farmer market, farmers yeah. markets, and they're I awesome. Mean, fermented food is super important. So, um, basically, what I've been what I've been reading, what I've been learning about the gut is, I mean, the gut is the center of your health, and you know, like if, if you were to take antibiotics or something like that, yeah, it, it cures a sickness, but it, it decimates your gut biome, and then your gut. Um, helps digest all the food and, you know, I don't even know all of the things that it, that it can do. I just know that everybody's talking about how important it is to, you know, build a a flourishing gut flora. Yeah. Um, and everybody points to, um, fermented foods big time. And it's actually surprisingly easy to ferment your own food. Yeah. I've had, uh, some fermented carrots and jalapenos in my fridge for over a year and a half. Yeah. And they're still good. You got to get Morgan on this podcast because our our kitchen is not a kitchen; it's a laboratory. laboratory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I give her hard times a hard time sometimes because we'll have you know people coming over and the place smells like compost. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's all for it's all for a good cause. Yeah, fermented stuff is good, and and I think the point I was trying to get there is is like, you know, I started out low carb because all that mattered was looking good. looking good. But I've started to work in the most nutrient dense and effective things possible, and I view fermented as nutrient dense. I would never sure. use the term like superfood or some kind of bullshit yeah. marketing, but basically, you can look at at you know various uh, charts on the on the internet. Uh, one of my favorites I showed you yesterday. It's the Andy score. It's yeah. aggregate nutrient density right. index. And you were saying that Coke is like one. Yeah, it goes to a thousand, and basically it's it's the amount of nutrients divided by the amount of calories. Ah, yeah. So obviously at the top are all the leafy greens. Um, at the same time, though, you're also I, I've realized you know you might be for example, spinach and kale is not just. <laughs> Vitamin A, vitamin K, and vitamin B, you know, five. Right. Right? There are all kinds of things going on in kale that we can't explain. Exactly in the same way that we can talk about fermented foods being good for you, but we don't know. And frankly, scientists probably don't know. Yeah, we're figuring it all out. Yeah. I mean... And so one of the overarching things in my nutrition paradigm um, is that the more science thinks they learn about nutrition the more unhealthy society is, yeah. right? I'm not saying <clears throat> I read a study and I pursued what they said was true 
and that has an effect on me. But all I know is that, you know, type 2 diabetes and obesity are peaking in the United States. Yeah. And somehow we've quantified food to the to the lowest level. We've got, you know, micrograms of this nutrient and macro, you know, these macronutrients. Yeah. And sometimes you can't explain it. You know, maybe there's something in kale that's greater than the whole. Yeah. You know, maybe there's something about cooking kale in olive oil versus cooking in butter. You know, so... There's, there's a lot of unknowns. And, and, and so the best direction we have is what humans have done for thousands of years. Right. You know, uh, so for sure we're not eating in our car, you know, 10,000 years ago. But, you know, go ask your grandma, you know, what food used to look like, and that's probably a good indicator. Yeah. I and, mean, I think getting back to, like, if, if you want to break down, and this... I'm no, I'm no nutritionist, but I've, you know, studied a lot about it, right? Yeah. Like in my opinion, if you want to, if you want to just break it down and be super simple of how to eat healthy, eliminate processed foods. Step one, you're, yeah. you're probably going to lose a ton of weight if you just eliminate processed foods. Stop drinking Coke, stop eating Twinkies and eat whatever real food you want in as much quantity as you want. And odds are you're going to lose weight, yep. right? Start there. Do that for a month. Then work on eliminating sugar. Then work on eliminating your super starchy carbs in high volume on non-workout days. And then, and then, then it's the process of refining, right? You mentioned yeah. this was a ten-year journey for you. I started CrossFit in I don't know 20, 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. And I remember the zone and learning about paleo and and that was the first time I was a I was a collegiate swimmer and that was the very first time I connected the idea that food is fuel for life, food is fuel for performance. I was totally unconscious of of the impact food has on you. And I remember the first time I had a burger without a bun, I was like, this is so dumb. This is the worst burger I've ever had. I'm never doing this again. This is stupid. Yeah. And now, you know. Eight years later, I prefer it, yeah. right? Because I prefer, you know, maybe it's subconsciously I prefer the way that I feel. Yeah. Maybe I just genuinely think it tastes better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's that's where I would start. Start get rid of the processed crap. Yeah. Do you believe uh, this is this has been a, a huge debate in uh, in these kind of nutrition circles that I follow? Do you believe in the in the calorie deficit? Like y- you you must be in a calorie deficit to lose you know lose weight. Are you calories in calories out? I uh, I think. You know, everyone will admit there's something going on there, like basically body tissue, right? I'm not, as opposed to muscle, fat, tendons, all all the things your body's composed of, water weight, whatever. If you are consuming less calories than you burn in a day, whether that's exercise or basal metabolism, you will start to weigh less. Yeah. Yes. But... The problem therein lies, well, what happens to your basal metabolism? Does it drop? Probably. I think that's yeah. what happens. Um, also, does your body release hormones that says, yo, you're running at a deficit, you're hungry now? Um, so I think undoubtedly, in a vacuum, you will u- lose human volume, human, human tissue. And again, that's my distinction between fat and muscle and everything else going on. Yeah. Yes. But is it sustainable? Um, and is it, does it make you feel good? And is it the kind of tissue that you want? Probably not. So my, my, my answer is I think on some, on paper, the answer is yes. But I think in terms of practicality, function, sustainability, literally everything, the answer is no. I, if, 
And, well, and, to, and to say that another way, if you were a client and you said, I want to lose weight, calories would not be a word that came out of my mouth. So I'm responding to your question yeah, yeah. by saying, but in in, in in this weird vacuum, yeah. But in, in saying that, you would give me you'd give me a prescription of eating these these nutrient dense, calorie low food items, and I bet you if you, I bet you, I, or I would wager that your your diet recommendation to me, if my goal was to lose weight, would ultimately be lower in calories, and I think I think. A lot of where this, you know, this whole debate started from. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big believer. Like, yeah, you absolutely have to be in a calorie deficit. But what does that mean, right? And I think all of these different diets create um, solutions, potential solutions for all the issues that you worked out. Like, oh, the ketogenic diet is great because you can, you know, all these good things that happen. Or the paleo diet is great because you get all, all these foods in unlimited quantity. Whole thirty is great because all, all these reasons. But I think if you, if you generally just follow, like, get rid of sugar. Like just get rid of sugar, get rid of processed foods. You're going to be, if, if you have a large, a large percentage of those into your diet, you're going to be, man, it's 2000. Infinitely. I don't want to interrupt. It's 2018. When I see somebody drinking a Coke, I'm like, well, first of all, in the climate we're living in, I'm like, well, clearly I don't understand the socioeconomic issues and you know, they, they, you know, you know, don't have the money to shop at Whole Foods or, you know, their, right. their parents did this or that. But like, bro, if you're drinking calories, other than wine or beer, what are you doing? Like yeah. 2018, come on. Um, yeah. So I interrupted. But no, but I mean, I think... Yeah, you, you said the first step is eliminating sugar. Yeah, sugar is a, a joke. Yeah, and I mean, sh- sugar is literally in everything. It's it's in your salad dressing. It's in it's in your ketchup. It's in... I mean, it is absolutely everywhere. It is, it is very difficult. It is very difficult to eat a day with no added sugar. Right. It's really hard. It and, is hard. And th- I mean, I, you know... I'm not big in making people count and track everything always. Yeah. But if you haven't created a food journal for like three months and done your best to fill it out, uh, you're missing you're missing the boat because that forces you to look at the label of everything you're eating, and then like you know like I said, it's a ten year process. Like you know I I can make a very educated guess as to what the content and ingredients are and pretty much everything I consume. Um, and that makes it easier to avoid the sugar. Yeah. Um, so look at your nutrition labels. Track for a little bit. You don't need to track forever. I agree. But with that's that. a great step to just knowing where yeah. the sugar is around you. For sure. And I think it's also a great step in knowing where you're uh, deficient macronutrient wise, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I think a lot of people think that they're eating a lot of protein. They're probably not eating a lot of protein, right? You talked about, um, yeah, you might be losing human body mass, but maybe you're just atrophying away. Yeah. Maybe you're losing muscle and you're not, you know, really losing fat. Sure, the scale says you're 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 better, but you're not going to look more jacked. You're not going to look better. Yeah. And so, um, all the studies that I've seen uh, basically recommend 0.7 to 1.0 grams per body per pound of body weight. So if you're a 200 pound guy, we're talking, you know, 100 and what 60 to 100 or to 200 grams of protein to maintain your, your body mass. Yeah. And, uh, it's pretty difficult for protein to synthesize into body fat. So, 
Um, Dr. Mike, who we both have met and um, I talk to frequently, he recommends starting with protein. Like if, if, if you're going to make one change, let's, let's assume that somebody has cut out processed food and sugar because yeah, 2018, right? Let's get rid of that. Let's make that assumption. The next thing to, the, that I think people should focus on is making sure they're getting enough protein in their system. Protein is going to fill you up. And it's going to fuel that muscle protein synthesis. It's going to keep your muscles on. And uh, and seriously, it's protein. It's delicious, right? Like who doesn't want, you know, another chicken wing? I mean, obviously, make sure it's not breaded. Isn't it funny how that works, though? You know, you've got this, uh, you've got this gorgeous tuna steak you made, right? Maybe there were four of them. Uh, and there's one left. It's probably not room after you had two of those. But you know what there's room for? Ice cream. That's right. Isn't it funny how there's always room for the sugar? Well, I mean... You could have, you could, like, I can go through, I can literally eat an entire bag of uh, corn chips, like tortillas, tortilla chips, and I I feel sick to my stomach. I have a headache, but there's no stopping me. I couldn't have two ears of corn. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, uh, Chris Kresser was talking about, I meant to bring this up in the, when we were talking about the digestive health, he was talking about the the potato diet. Mm -hmm. And, he certainly doesn't recommend this for a lot of people, but he said that he's had a few very strict clients who have gotten onto a plateau and he's prescribed them the potato diet. Basically, if you cook a potato and then cool it down and then cook it and then cool it down and then cook it and then cool it down, the process of cooking and cooling changes the the, uh, the sugars or the, the starch to a more digestible starch. I don't know all the science behind it, but apparently there's some sort of starch that your gut really likes and it reduces the insulin response and goes more to uh, your gut. Anyway, so you eat a bunch of reheated potatoes and you can have as many of them as you want and you'll you know lose a lot of weight. Cool. I'm, gl- I'm, glad, that, I'm glad that's on record for everybody to hear. That's great, man. The potato diet. Yeah, everybody. Just cook your potatoes four times. And well, you're... but I mean, like, if, if you really like potatoes, for example, if, if you love potatoes, yeah. just... Which is cook everybody. Them. Right. Cook them, cool them down, cook them, cool them down, and then cook them. Like, make a hash. So, honestly, like, my, my gut, you know, I guess pun intended, instinct there is that, as I understand it, the glycemic impact of a starch is directly related to how cooked it is. So, you, this is probably equally as crazy, but yeah. just one little habit that I have is that, you know, if I'm going to cook a potato, I'm going to undercook it. For most people's tastes. Now, let's be honest. For me, I just throw it in the microwave, stab the sweet potato five times so <laughs> I can breathe, and I'll put it in for four minutes. And Morgan might come through and have it. She's like, "Oh, it needs probably another, you know, ten minutes in the oven." I'm like, "Oh yeah, the oven. Let me." You know, but she'll want it a little bit more cooked. And it's it's not hard in any sense. It's not like I'm biting through an apple. Right. But basically, I've understood that the more you cook it and the more it melts in your mouth, the more directly the the sugar goes to your bloodstream basically and sometimes that's what you're looking for right and that's if you have a performance bias and it's post-workout yeah you want those quick acting starches um but again if it's weight loss i mean i don't i don't know what we're talking about potatoes and weight loss yeah for sure it's just not a thing for sure yeah Um, i mean i'm i brought up the potato diet thing more just yeah don't do that guys um so um, I, w- I want to dive into this performance thing, right? Because yeah. I think this is this is what um, tricks, or not tricks, but this is what can can mix up a lot of people with the whole diet thing, right? Because they see these games athletes, and they see Michael Phelps crushing, you know, eight thousand pancakes, and the games athlete eating eating cereal, and 
how how are they super jacked with abs coming through their abs and you know like I have a bowl of cereal and I gain 10 pounds yeah so what's that all about yeah I mean you know you can't look at the the genetic elite as a guide for literally anything in the same sense that I watch you know the Chinese weightlifters on the platform at the Olympics and I just have to realize that you know whether it's because of you know the Chinese government had you know how many billion people live in China and they found like the, the 15 people that just are predisposed to be fast and twitchy and strong yeah I just I you can't be that and you know you just kind of need to realize that um so I wouldn't look to Michael Phelps or the games athletes crushing Skittles um, between uh, between reps to, to indicate, you know, what you can be. But, yeah, it's it's just a distinction, too, whether you want to perform, which requires carbs, or yeah. what. So some of the terms that I like are I like health bias and I like performance bias. And I, weight loss bias is not something I like to talk about because you either want to gain weight or lose weight. And I feel like that's not how you live your life, though. That's kind of correcting. If you're, if you're healthy, you're going to look healthy, right? Right. If you're healthy, you're going to be, you're going to, you're, you're not going to carry a a bunch of extra weight. You're going to be strong. Like that's, that's health. Yeah. And just, just like everything else we talk about, whether we're talking about getting stronger or reading more books or whatever, it's about setting goals and managing your goals. And if your goal is performance, sure, we can talk about a little bit of cereal, but I would also point out, and I tried to point this out earlier, that if you look physically fit, chances are you're overlooking all kinds of health markers that are not necessarily shortening your life, but they're not doing you any favors. You know, um, you talk about the, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was the, um, the Greg Glassman, uh, uh, podcast that we listened to a while ago where he was talking about the elite triathlete who oh, yeah. ended up with diabetes, right? Yeah. Because he just ate whatever he could eat. He was pounding cars right. all day. And fitness can cover up for a lot. But I bet if you were to look at Michael Phelps, Phelps blood markers, they weren't ideal. Yeah. But that's the thing that you do for your when you're just desperate to win. Desperate to win. And I, I think you can also outwork to some extent. Not not completely, but you can outwork a, a crappy diet, right? Because if, if you're swimming, whatever... 20,000 meters a day, like probably Michael Phelps was doing at his peak, like you need a lot of carbs. You need a lot of energy for that. Like, yeah. Are there better sources? Maybe, but he's going to burn through. You can't just a lot have that many sweet potatoes, right? Because right? they're yeah. just tough to eat. And there's just not enough room in your stomach. Yeah. So there's just to some extent, there's you can, you can outwork it, but also to that, yeah. that elite triathlete, you know, perspective, you can't, like at some point, it'll catch up to you. It will. And, and, I think the idea that you can outwork a shitty diet is fundamentally the wrong way to look at it. It might be true yeah. for people uh, who you know are a little bit younger, but at the same time, to, to the calories in, calories out sort of situation, you know, your body will always seek some kind of homeostasis yeah. and rip you away. Yeah. Like so, for example, let's say I, my doctor told me that as long as I'm skinny you know, and I'm running five miles, I can have a pint of Haagen-Dazs every night because I'm running five miles and you're outworking it. Eventually, you know, I'm going to get more hungry because I'm exercising more than I'm eating. Yeah. 
And so my body in the long run is going to make me eat more and it's going to balance out, right? Or I'm basically, you know, ruining my insulin resistance by having Haagen-Dazs every night. And sure, exercise also benefits insulin resistance. Yeah. But at a certain point, they start to spread. Right. You cannot consistently outwork a diet. I I don't know. Um Right. You can't you can for a while. I just think that's the fundamentally yeah. wrong way of looking at things. And I, I feel that way about calories in, calories out. There's a certain amount of truth in a microcosm, in a vacuum, but I would never tell that to somebody who yeah, I was never to lose weight. My advice would never would ne- I'll never say never. My advice doesn't start with eliminate calories and you know, I don't care how. But you know, the, the process of, you know, eliminating, um, you know, all the stuff that we've talked about. If you eliminate sugar, if you eliminate soda, if you eliminate processed food, you're eliminating thousands of calories. And so the focus, I think, really the theme of this conversation so far is really focus on health, right? Don't don't just focus on on, on your weight. Don't just, just focus on the scale. Don't just focus on losing weight. Focus on getting healthy. Yeah. Or, or performance, you know, unless, unless you know for a fact you're going to you know, win at the highest level. If you're just trying to run a marathon in record time, you, for, for you, I mean, not world record yeah. time, you know, may, maybe add a couple minutes to your time so that you are healthy inside. Well, sure. And I mean, you know, obviously being CrossFit coaches, like look at your CrossFit performance because for, for most people, like every member of our gym, right, from now until the end of time, no one is going to the games, right? Like I hate to break it to you guys. You're not getting there. And that's, Great, right? Because I think that level, just like we've been talking about, that level takes some sort of sacrifice probably on your health, right? To some extent, right? You can't be that good at something that requires, whatever, doesn't doesn't matter. The point is, at, at the level that we do CrossFit, looking at your growth in CrossFit is a representation of better cardiovascular health, better strength, better flexibility, better accuracy, better all, all the things that make you more fit, right? The better you are at CrossFit, the more fit you are, the more fit you are, the healthier you you are, assuming your diet is also in line. So yeah, 100%, track your performance, track your girl wads, track your, your strength, and at the same time, notice your food. Track your food for two months. Track your macros for a few months. See how your food affects your performance. And you know, look at everything and notice everything and, and be, be aware of this stuff, right? Like being a CrossFit, being a CrossFitter has... You know, sure, yeah, you come to the gym three times a week, but really, like what we what we're trying to do is teach you how to how to be healthy and how to be optimal in your life. And I want to get more into that here in a second, but I I, I really want to dive in because one one of the things that uh, Doctor Mike explained to me that opened my mind big time because I, I used to think oh exercise equals carbs right. So if I exercise more carbs, good. You know, the whole idea of like a pasta dinner before a big swim swim race. That was kind of the, the cliche, so to speak. Sure. Um, his concept of metabolic flexibility, I think, is exactly what you're talking about, right? So <clears throat> on days where you don't work out or days where you're doing a lot of light aerobic work, so maybe you're going for a super easy 20-minute jog, right? Heart rate way below yeah. uh, 150 or something. Sure. Not CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um you want, you want that energy to be primarily fueled by, by fat. You want to have your fat metabolism, you want to have that process able to go. You want your body to be able to kick into, quote, fat burning mode and fuel that performance through fat. If you have to do a CrossFit workout, if you have to lift weights, if you have to run from a bear, you need uh, the glycolytic energy system to kick in and you need that 
energy system to also be really good. So you need to be a fat burning machine and a carb glycogen burning machine. And you need to work both, both of those systems. Yeah. I, I think what, you know, our listeners might need to understand is that basically the distinction we're making is between like sprinting and not sprinting. Yeah. And, and the, tr- the tradition, as you said, was that big pasta dinner before any kind of cardio. But if you're just on an elliptical for 30 minutes, you're walking, you're jogging and not keeping a pace, your body can thrive on the energy that it has just right in your body already. But at a certain point, if you are sprinting, and sprinting here is an analogy for a sub 10 minute CrossFit wad, lifting as heavy as you can, we're talking three reps of something, or literally, you know, sprinting outside, running as fast as you can, yeah, uh, your body is using sugar stored in the muscles, glucose stored in the muscles, and it's good to replace it. Yep. Um, And and, so, oh yeah. And then it just... It depends on your goals. Right. After that. And so basically what Dr. Mike recommends is going fairly low carb on non-workout days. So depending on where your normal carb load sits, maybe that's as low as 50, 25 grams or, you know, 100 grams, just depending on where you are in your, you know, carb cutting quote progression. And then on workout days, adding 25 to 50 grams of carbs before and after a workout. And that gives you a little bit of energy for the workout and gives you some uh, replenishment post-workout. I think that's a good way to, to sort of approach it, especially as you're, you know, working on, you know, breaking down and cutting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and I think metabolic flexibility, you know, is is a good way to be, right? My problem with, not my problem, but my confusion or my issue with the metabolic f- flexibility as presented by Dr. Mike is at first I was just kind of confused, like, why? Yeah, why? Right, wait, wait, am I trying to get strong or am I trying to lose weight? And so often we get caught in that, uh, that binary system like i'm in a crossfit gym so i'm either trying to get jacked and like rich froning or i'm trying to lose weight there's nothing in between and that's where that health bias that productivity that longevity bias comes in um so i i I love metabolic flexibility um but if your goal is weight loss and you're drinking carbs post-workout oh yeah i'm not saying no no i know i know i'm I'm just saying we need to distinguish that, that i love metabolic flexibility as a health bias yeah and in the same sense that like you know somebody who's four percent body fat probably not optimal health nor are they performing as well as they could you'll find that most elite athletes perform the best probably at like eight to twelve percent body fat because they have the nutrients right but anything over that is is extra um so as long as you understand those carbs on workout days as kind of a health bias for sure um but if you, you know, have either of the other goals, yeah, you need to reanalyze metabolic flexibility. Yeah, potentially. Um, th- the argument I would make against that, and and, and generally, I, I completely agree with you. And I think we're we're arguing like the ten percent, yeah. right? We're not arguing the ninety percent, right? right? And that's that's one of uh, Dr. Andy Galpin has this thing. He's an exercise physiology PhD, yeah. and he talks about like don't. Don't give up the the 90% because you're chasing the 10%, right? Like, like realize the big picture things that we're talking about. We're talking about eating real food. We're talking about minimizing, you know, or eliminating sugar. We're talking about all the big picture concepts. But if, 
so we, we talked about the, the basal metabolic rate, right? So if I can increase strength, increase my the engine that, that churns throughout the course of the day, if I can increase that by performing better in each and every workout, I don't want to I don't want to show up to a CrossFit workout feeling lazy and lethargic and, and tired all the time because then I'm not gonna be able to perform in the workout. So having a few carbs, I mean we're talking like half a cup of rice, right? We're not talking like eight donuts. We're talking a few starchy carbs before workout that might give me a boost to perform better in the workout, that might be a good thing to do if my goal is weight loss. It also might be a bad thing to do if you're able to come into the workouts with a lot of energy without it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's, I mean, we're, we're, we're polishing the cannonball here, and I think that's why it's really important to track and notice, yeah. repeat, because part of your part of your your journal in this should be like did I work out today and how did I feel on that workout yeah. and if you had literally zero carbs that day and you felt super lethargic maybe maybe throw in a a spinach salad before see how that changes it okay maybe that wasn't enough maybe half a banana see how that makes you feel maybe that wasn't enough maybe yeah. uh, half a cup of rice wow i felt great i crushed it okay well maybe we're starting to find a balance yeah i mean i clearly the the ideal goal would be to pay so much attention to everything that you do um and you know after 10 years of being crazy about nutrition you know i'm super dialed into every everything i I ate this and i feel this way afterwards but sometimes you know it's just not realistic for your for your average person to track everything i mean that's what we would advocate for you know are you lactose intolerant i don't know cut out dairy for a week and then have dairy see how you feel but most people don't behave that way. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess I, because of that, I try to speak in more like blanket general statements. For sure. Um, and that can get us in trouble. And I think that's what just happened is that we, no, I mean, you know. Well, I, I think, I mean, for, for the vast majority of people, blanket statements work so well, right? Like we're talking probably. You want to lose weight, cut your carbs. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, eat, it, it, yeah, if you want to drop weight, eat less than 50 carbs a day. And if, if you're eating 200 carbs a day, cut it to 100. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're drinking Coke, stop. Right. That. Yeah. You know, and and that's 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 indisputable. Like yeah. That's you're gonna lose weight. Yeah. Um. But then the trouble comes with people who are pretty dialed in with their diet. You know, and they're following all these prescriptions. They're tracking. They're they're doing the workouts, and they're still not losing weight. Then then. The conversation, I think, goes a lot more to like the, the holistic health approach. What's your stress? What's your sleep? Yeah. You know, honestly, my yeah. gut, my gut reaction when that happens is you're a liar. Possibly. Um, like honestly, you know, if we've had people come into the CrossFit gym for for three years, and uh, you know they still got that little belly, not really improving on their workouts. You know, we even though they may say, yeah, I'm tracking my nutrition, I'm getting, you know, 0.8 grams of protein per body weight per day. My carbs are sub thirty grams. On you're a fucking liar. Yeah. Well, they they could be telling the truth Monday through Friday, but then they trash it on the weekends, mm. right? Ate some pizza, a few bags of chips. Yeah. You know, two bottles of wine, and then you're you're losing three pounds and you're gaining three pounds. Yeah. You're losing, gaining, and that that that's a real thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's why programs like whole 30 like the whole 30 is is good and bad like there's a lot of good to it and there's some you know some downside to it as well but programs like whole 30 i think are really good in like totally resetting and saying like all right don't drink for a month don't eat pizza for a month get rid of all of those habits 
and then let's reintroduce good, better habits. Yeah. And I think sometimes you need to press that reset button so that you, you know, you can get that, that one month change and actually see, see where you're starting to fall apart. And and my hope for uh, a 30 day, you know, strict diet like that would be that you eventually, let's say uh, there are 10 things that, that define whole 30. My hope would be that you walk away from whole 30 and two of those are now a habit for sure. Right. Because I've, I, you know, having been in the CrossFit community for a while, I've seen whole 30, I've seen paleo challenge. I've seen people lose a lot of weight. Right. And then it's about sustainability. For sure. And they'll, you know, it comes back. And to your point about I killed it and tracked everything Monday through Friday, but then I, I partied hard two days and it, it balances out. Two days all weekend, you know, shame on you. But, you know, if you're going to have Asian pizza one night after a workout right. and that keeps you on track six days a week. Yeah. Um, every Like study after study will show that no matter the diet, low carb, low yeah. calorie, uh, whatever the weight comes back for sure. And it's because they haven't taught sustainable life habits. Right. You're not, you're not making long-term change. Yeah. Like you, you have the mindset of diet and you don't have the mindset of lifestyle. Exactly. Right? Like the mindset of lifestyle is all of the things that go into it. And this circles back to, to one of the themes that we've been talking about. Like the, the focus in my opinion should be on total health, health and longevity bias. Is right. What I like a hundred percent. And I, that's certainly the bias of, you know, of old city CrossFit. We're not, we're not training you for the games, but we're training you, you know, preparing you for life, right? Like that's, that's what we say. Like the name of the podcast tagline of the gym. And so like when you, when you look at it from a holistic picture, you know, how does, how does the gym, how does the diet, like, how does this all fit in? And like, where, you know, if you're just getting started on this journey, where, where do you start? I think you start with a sense of realism and a sense of, of self love and, all I, I see everything as a big funnel, right? And maybe a funnel, it's concentric circles anyway. And you're just hitting on the outside. You're trying, man, I'm good at my back squat, but I don't have the mobility to front squat. So I do this stretch or I want to lose weight. So I cut carbs, but that didn't work. Um, I cut out dairy, but, and these concentric circles continue to get smaller and you try, you know, you love yourself for trying and eventually you get dialed into a circle of things that are sustainable and work for you. And clearly, I believe that we're not all special snowflakes and I can guess what those things that work for you are going to be. Right. But, you know, it's just a matter of trying and trying to hope that 50% of what you tried sticks. Like, like if Whole30 is 10 things by definition yeah. and you can take away two of them, that's great. And then what you should try is the zone diet. And you hated the food you ate, but you learned how to count. Right. And so that sticks with you. Or eating macros right. in a portion during right. meals. Another way of saying this is that it's it's a process. And you need not to be necessarily too easy on yourself. Discipline and uh, a challenge are required. Right. But it's, it's just a process. And Old City does a great job of just helping you discover what those what those ideas on the out on the outer circle are. Yeah. And then it's up to you to get to that inner right. circle. And that inner circle are those those five habits that make everything work, right? Yeah. 
sleeping eight hours or ten hours a day, not drinking. It's like, well, whatever those are, but yeah. Well, I think I think a really good way of sort of conceptualizing all the areas because you know most people know the areas of health that you know they need to focus on, but let's just take the fitness health because I think it creates the best example, perhaps of your of, of that concentric circle idea. So if you let's say that you can uh, I don't know run a five minute mile and you're a guy and your deadlift is 120 pounds. Mm -hmm. Well, quit, like not quit training running, but let's start lifting some weights because you're, you're horribly out of balance. Unless you're a marathon runner, unless you're a mile sprinter, unless you're, unless you're trying to be a sports specific athlete, if you're just trying to be like, have a good health bias, you are disproportionately weak than you are with, with your endurance. Same thing on the other end of the spectrum. If you can back squat 800 pounds and going up a flight of stairs sucks for you. Uh, maybe we should, you know, focus a little more on that on that quote cardio or you know sure. longer metcons type thing. Sure. And so the way that I sort of look like look at a CrossFit athlete, if you're snatching 200 pounds, don't focus on your snatch. Focus on your handstand pushups, right? Like, what are your handstand pushups like? What are your what's your squat like? Like, constantly looking and assessing where your biggest weakness is yeah. and attacking that weakness until it becomes a strength, and then repeating. Yeah. You can you can take this for mobility, right? Like, where are you? the least mobile and attack that immobility yeah. and you're going to see your strength numbers go through the roof, right? Absolutely. If, if your front rack is terrible, well, obviously your front, your front squat's going to suck. Your squat clean's going to be terrible. And I bet you your overhead squat and you know, any, any sort of press is going to be bad too. Yeah. And so constantly looking at where you are the worst because that's the, the quickest opportunity for improvement. Absolutely. Right? The, the, the top, Two percent gains are so much harder to get. Yeah, it takes taking, so much more time. Snatch from one eighty to one two hundred, impossible. That's going to take six months yeah. to a year. But getting your snatch to one eighty, we could probably do that for most strong athletic guys in six months. Yeah, like that's. I don't want to say that's hard, but that's a lot easier than taking it from one eighty to two twenty five. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that. Uh, identify your weakness and attack it. That's that's a particular way of looking at the world. And a lot of uh, a lot of the things we've been talking about. In the big picture, I always try to be the positive educator. Yeah. Like instead of like cut out sugar, right, or stop eating processed foods, I might frame it as cook your own meals, right, right. Um, and so I think the identifying the weakness is just a funny thing. I feel like G- Coach Jason would uh, would thrive in that scenario, just walking around the gym, being like, "What do you call that? Work on, work on that <laughs> after class, you know? Well, like, yeah, like put down the barbell, let's go run." Um, but I, I, that aside, that's just my you know. My, my one of my bigger picture things that I think about a lot is how to how to present this, but just attacking your weakness is absolutely yeah. a, a great idea and a great way to go about being a good athlete. Well, I think of I think of it as you know like identifying your weakness because that's the greatest opportunity for improvement, right? So it is to me it is a it's a super positive, right? right? And you're gonna you're gonna see such gain if if you don't it, have good overhead mobility. It's, it's like buying a penny stock, right? You yeah. know, it's just easy. Just throw, just that's throw right. down a little bit and boom. That's right. Um, and it's like we talked about a long time ago when we came up with the with the concept of you know there's gains gains right like yeah. growing the size of your muscle yeah mobility and gains mobility gains, gains and technique gains. gains mobility gains and technique gains are the easiest to get they take the least amount of time right like Dep- depends on the movement but in general sure yeah I mean let's say let's say that if if I told you that you had to improve your shoulder range of motion by twenty degrees or add forty pounds to your back squat like which would you be more excited to do. You know, not more excited to do, but you know, like which in your mind would be, it, it doesn't matter. The point is if your overhead range of motion or front rack range of motion is terrible, 
fix it because yeah. that's going to make you stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Then you're going to be you're going to be much better equipped to express your full strength with the right technique. Yeah. You're going to reduce your chance for injury and you're going to be able to express more strength every single day in the gym and you're going to get stronger faster. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, this also kind of leads us to some foundational CrossFit ideas. And one of the big things that I wish we had more time in the CrossFit gym to do is kind of explain to people the kind of the paradigms that underlie, um, or, or that are CrossFit, the CrossFit pyramid is built on. You know, um, if you go to the CrossFit level two cert, you know, the first thing that I learned was shut your mouth and give them a coaching cue. Stop telling them a story. Yeah. Because I get in front of people and I'm like, you know, you want to learn how to press. Well, let me, let me tell you about Nick Cage in Con Air. That's how you press. <laughs> the you history. Know, you dry, yeah, you dry. <laughs> so like I could talk about a deadlift for 30 minutes. Right. Um, and in the same sense, like I wish we could have like this CrossFit, like here's why we do what we do class. But, you know, CrossFit has a very strict definition of, of fitness and then it asks you know how how do we drive results within our definition of fitness and obviously the definition of fitness involves different energy systems different yep. time domains and that's analogous to what you said about you're really good at running but you suck at deadlifting right and attack your weakness and that's all there People just don't always understand that CrossFit is more than just slam bars, bro. Um, oh, look for like sure. Rich Froning, um, which is why I love the system. And sometimes people need a little bit more focus, but in the big picture, CrossFit is the system. Right, and and this is this is one of the reasons why Aaron and I were like this this idea of preparing you for life, and you know we come back to it. I think the. The foundation of CrossFit is certainly, you know, like 2159 thrusters and whatever. But but the system of CrossFit, you know, especially is, as, as administered by exactly. And it, like look look at a week, right? And one of the reasons why CrossFit is so expensive, you're not you're not paying for access to a gym, right? We're, we're not we're not signing you up as a member, crossing our fingers and hoping you never show up, right? If you don't show up, that's a problem for us, right? Because we're not we're not we don't have the opportunity to, to help you, to make you better, to get you closer to your goals. If a week is 168 hours long and we only see you three times a week, well, what the hell is happening in the other 165, yep, right? Yep. That's what we're talking about. And that's on you, the athlete, to take accountability to yourself and and work on this stuff. Because, you know, the, as much as as much as we would love to be in your kitchen slapping a soda out of your hands, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's an upsell we can work on. <laughs> yeah, we'll just get like pictures of uh, various coaches' faces, you know, and just yeah, yeah angry scowling. faces like right next to the yeah, post, right next post to the, anywhere in your house that you want, like on exactly. the inside of your fridge. But on your you know, cooler. when when you look at the system of of you know old city CrossFit or, or just the system of health, right? So you're looking. We've we've talked a lot about nutrition. We we sort of talked about how to approach you know in the gym type stuff. Um, what other aspects of health are you, you know, like dialing in and focused on improving? Um, man, that's a great question. Uh, so I, I think you brought up the analogy of a of the car, right? Some time ago, and I've used it many times since then, right? Somebody comes into the the mechanic and they're like, "My car is not driving. It's probably the." You know the uh, the transmission right. or whatever the rear the rear axle alignment's egg, a little egg, off, egg, right? <laughs> and the mechanic's like, "Well, your car has three wheels. <laughs> That's probably why it doesn't work, right?" So people they miss the the forest for the trees for sure. And the four wheels, I guess, in my mind, there's always going to be one other little thing that you think of, but I'm thinking it's it's exercise, 
It's and this is not in order. These right. are just yeah. the four. They're all equal. Nutrition, sleep, and stress management. My car right now has three of them. Yeah. Uh, I struggle with sleep. I mentioned that, and that's yeah. that's a goal of mine. And we can talk about ways to get better there. I mean, you know, limiting stimulants after whatever time works for you. Having a schedule, maybe finding one or two easier supplements, but that's aside from the point. So we talked about fitness, nutrition a lot. Fitness, we've talked about. The other thing that I dial, I'm trying to dial in is my stress management. Yeah. And a lot of people assume stress just means like, oh shit, I've got a deadline. Um, you know, I'm right. losing my shit, or yeah. you know, something my girlfriend said makes me really upset. Right. And they stop thinking about stress on a more uh, subtle kind of chronic level. It's a continuum. Yeah. And so I've been working a lot on my breathing. Yeah. Uh, mobility in terms of my diaphragm and my ability to breathe because everybody knows when you take, not everybody knows, but if you can take bigger, deeper belly breaths instead of just these breaths in your upper chest, um, it's down regulatory of your central nervous system. Yeah. Which is another way of say down regulating your central nervous system is another way of saying you're kind of slowing the stress train down. Well, yeah. So I think it's really important. Let me, let me lay the groundwork here. Cause I was so confused about stress for the longest time. And I was listening to all these podcasts and they were using all these terms, down regulation, up regulation, sympathetic, parasympathetic. And it, it, I just had to sit down and, and study it for a little bit. And I, I think I have a pretty good understanding of the way it works. So just so you know, everybody's following the language that we're using. Your autonomic nervous system is made up of two different nervous systems. So that's that's the thing that controls your heartbeat. It's the thing that grows your fingernails. All the things that you don't think about that happen automatically. Your nervous system controls that. It's made up of the parasympathetic. Think parachute. It slows things down. And then the sympathetic, it speeds things up. And so another way to think about it is your parasympathetic is your fight or is your rest and recovery and your sympathetic is your fight or flight. And so you're either running from a lion or grazing in the field if right. you're a zebra, right? Humans are the same way. You're either stressed, and if you're stressed, a lot of things happen to your body, but your body is in fight or flight mode. It's getting ready to fight the lion, and it doesn't know that the lion is a traffic jam, right? But what happens when that when what happens when that happens is you stop digesting your food, you divert energy from your autoimmune system, you stop growing your fingernails and growing your hair, and your pupils dilate and your blood sugar elevates and all these things happen to get your body to fight in that moment. Yeah. It's about survival of that moment. It's not about longevity in the future. But then once the lion runs away and now I can graze in the field, my body is back to recovery mode. So it's repairing, you know, cells, it's it's digesting food, it's it's planning for the future, right? So you're always on this continuum of of immediate survival or planning for the future. Right. And most of us, and, and real quick, yeah. I think a, a good way to frame this for our for our listeners is that the planning for the future, you could also call that recovery. Totally right. Yeah, so right. you're you're either yeah. So if you're upregulated, you're more stressed, you're more sympathetic, and you're more uh, fight or flight. Right. You're more stressed. Right. Cortisol levels are high. Right. Stress is high. Um, recovery is low. Right. And then if you're parasympathetic, if you just finished a yoga class and you're in the middle of Shavasana, you're super down regulated, yeah. you're super parasympathetic, you're super on you're, you're way on the end of, of recovery. And so that I think lays the groundwork for this conversation. It's it, super important. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. So that's I mean, that's the number one thing that I'm working on. And again, you know, the, I think I just for the fifth time here, I want to you know clarify that. 
if there's any there. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee break, guys. Um, <laughs> it's that, like, we're not talking about just, like, my boss, you know, gave me this deadline that I can't meet stress. A lot of times we're talking about, like, these low levels of stress that uh, you might not even notice but are preventing optimal recovery. Um, but, I mean, that's that's a big thing in my life. And, honestly, one of the roadblocks that I personally and I feel like a lot of people – you know, confront with this particular wheel on the car, the stress management, is that I want to be the guy, you know? I want to be the coach that is loud and has great ideas and never the coach that just is, in, you know, just watching you and it's like, all right. You know, if I'm at a party on Friday night, you know, I might have that extra beer because, like, you know, I see it as fuel, mm-hmm. you know, to be the funniest guy in the room. Yeah. Um, when I get sick... It's not the sickness that bothers me. Like, I could give a shit that I just kind of need to lay there for a couple days. Right. It kills me that I can't do the work that I need to do. God forbid that I have to, like, shame myself and call somebody and be like, yo, I can't make it. You know? So I feel like, not to change the subject too drastically, but, like, when I'm confronting this stress management wheel, a lot of succeeding with that is realizing that you need to be down-regulated and slow things down and it's okay to be, not slow, but it's okay to be even-keeled, right? And so much of what society is, is it's work hard, you know, play hard, and then work harder. Yeah, they don't talk about recover hard. Yeah, and people talk about, like, you know, I only need four hours of sleep and then I just kick ass. Those are the people everybody. Those are the people that we all want to be. Right. And so you confront this social facade of these people who, you know, never stop and are productive and invented Google and all they do is have these ideas. And so, stress management, I don't think's that hard. In fact, it's probably pretty easy. The issue isn't doing them, right? Like, and if we're talking about fitness, squats are hard. Yeah. So it sucks doing that. Right. Meditation's... Meditation's easy. But it's hard. Sleeping's easy. Not drinking caffeine, easy. But you want to do all... Not... You want to avoid those things because you want to be fucking impressive. Yeah. And so that's my kind of personal struggle right now. It's It's not just I need to track my food and do better. Right. I'm literally confronting a, a personality kind of issue and not yeah. just me but I, I think it's a societal issue 100 percent. i mean see what i'm saying yeah it's it's kind of the ego right um the ego is is probably one of the biggest enemies of of our society <laughs> but i mean really it's it's i mean that's one thing that we t- that we as coaches talk about all the time right like we as coaches have to manage our ego because yeah. i want to be the coach that that guides you to a pr that nudges you and says yeah you can do that lift but if, how but are we going to give people energy to to help themselves if we don't have energy. A hundred percent. You know? And I don't necessarily think it's about, like, for me, it's about, um, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that that idea of, like, I don't know, nutrition. Like, you, you want to have the pools of energy when it's time to use the energy, yeah. right? So it's not about always being up and always being, you know, the Sean dog and whatever, right? It's about being able to tap into that when it's time, right? And 
in order to be able to tap into that, I need to be on my fitness. I need to be on my nutrition. I need to be on my recovery because if I'm not on all three of those pillars, then like if I'm not focused on everything, then everything falls apart, right? And so I'm always thinking about like, okay, am I, am I recovered? How do I feel? Am I, you know, am I stressed out now? Maybe I need to downregulate. Maybe I should hit a yoga class. Maybe I need to meditate. Maybe I need to breathe. Maybe I just need to like, just relax and take time for myself. I mean, we all, we all get caught up in this, in this work, 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 work. But eventually you realize that the work you're doing is nowhere near as good on Friday as it was on Monday. And for me, that's when I'm just like, screw it. I shut the computer down. I'm not answering any emails. Phone's going in airplane mode, and I'm watching Netflix for the next 12 hours. Yeah, because maybe that's what I need, or maybe you know, maybe what I really need is just to meditate for 10 minutes and get back on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's different every day and every week. I mean, it's it's constant reaffirmation of what you need, and it's different every day. So you continually have to look at it and analyze. Um, and be mindful of where you're at and what you need. I agree completely that, you know, we're just caught up in this this cell phone society where people want responses to their emails in 20 minutes, um, and it's demand, demand, demand. It's appearances, 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 and we just need to come to terms with the fact that you perhaps can't do optimal work 40 hours a week. Maybe that's just a big, you know, myth. Yeah, you know, sure. I can work on a production line and just like you know, uh, put the put the wheel on the car. Right. But if we're doing any kind of like creative or I don't know, yeah, you you can shovel for forty hours a week and maybe just your back hurts. But you know, if you're doing anything else, you just can't be optimal for forty hours a week. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe you can't, right? Or maybe, maybe you can't. Can. Yeah, maybe I but, didn't say that the way, but, it, but the, I, I'm, I, I'm I agreeing with point, your point. I think the point that, or the point that I heard at least, is the idea that, like, you focus on your recovery, and that'll improve your work. And right. whether that improves your work to be able to to operate at a high level for for 25 hours a week or 40 hours a week, or you know, if I guarantee you, if I, you know, we were talking about health bias, uh, life's, you know, life bias. Like, I kind of have a, a life bias, you know quote unquote, like I want to enjoy life. And that a lot of that means that, that I'm focused on my health a lot, but shoot, you find me a haymaker, it's going down. Like we're going to, we're going to have some fun that night. Like I'm not going to be like, Oh, sorry guys. Uh, you know, I got to go because, uh, you know, meditate and bed and optimal sleep conditions and, you know, lunar cycles. Like, yeah, that might optimally make me uh, a higher performer, but it'll make me totally lame in life. It's true. And so there are ways, I think, if you had a total optimization bias, I mean, you could, I, you, I, I'm confident you could be wildly productive well into 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. If yeah. that's all you cared about. Right. But that's, you know, that's, that's silly to me, yeah. right? Like, I think focusing on anything a thousand percent, what's the saying? Like everything in moderation, including moderation, right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, everything in moderation. Yeah, so um, not. I mean, you got me in that spot now, where I'm just like, shit. Now I got so much to think about. Yeah, you know. Well, so let's. I like I like giving some people some practical examples. Sure. So first off, when I think the most the most important thing, I think an important thing to think about is 
figuring out what your body feels like when it's stressed. Because a lot of people don't notice that until they, they find themselves yelling at somebody. Yeah. Or, Honestly, the way that – I think because I, I exercise so much and I eat so well, I generally feel pretty good. Even though, you know, even after a night of drinking, like I look in the mirror and I'm like, woo, you don't look that great. But I, I generally feel pretty good. And I notice the issues. Like if I, if I have the sniffles, guaranteed my stress levels are too high. Yeah. And I'm not even saying like you got an outright cold. That certainly implies that you're not uh, doing uh, – your parasympathetic nervous system isn't functioning as well. Right. right? Um, but little things like the sniffles, um, maybe some joint pain. Yeah. Uh, when, when you don't want it, um, maybe, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, personal things that you could bring up. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I always notice the symptoms and not just what I'm yeah. feeling. So you're, what would you say you feel? I notice, well, so there's, there's two, two different things. The way that, the, the way that you answered that question was really interesting to me because I feel like when my body's getting run down over time, I notice exactly that. Like right now I'm a little congested. I'm, I'm a little run down, right? I'm getting over some sickness. I didn't sleep well a few nights ago and like that wheel start to come off, right? So I, I certainly notice that and I notice joint pain, my knees and my back. And then I notice uh, just thoughts like creativity or just desire to do work. Like I, when I'm feeling good, can't stop me. Like I want to do work. I'm excited to answer emails. I'm excited to get out. I'm excited to coach. When I'm when I'm stressed, when I'm, I push myself a little too hard, I view going to the gym as a chore. I view emails as a chore. Everything like, is a chore. That's a good a way chore. to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when I'm, I'd say, globally run down, and that's a really important thing to be aware of. When I am, uh, when I'm stressed, like more in a in a specific situation. Like say uh, I get an email I don't like, or I've like an interaction with a person, or a traffic jam, or you know I'm running late, or you know something like that. When I when I start to feel immediate stress, uh, I notice I get tight in my chest, and then I notice I start to like if I'm really stressed, I get tight in my throat, Mm -hmm. and then becoming aware of those tendencies in my body. Now I can. Because if I let that continue, then I start to get anxious and I start to get like nervous and then I start to get frustrated and then I start to like yell or do something that I regret, right? But now since I start to notice the feeling, I can sort of chop it off before it becomes a thought. And so like you were saying, I do some down regulatory breaths, which is a fancy way of saying I breathe through my diaphragm really intentionally, exhale longer than I inhale. Do a little bit of you know a little bit of breath work. Everything comes down. The chest pain goes away. The throat pain goes away, and all of a sudden that traffic jam is no big deal. Like right. put the traffic jam in the right in the right context. Absolutely. And you know meditation is you know twenty other podcasts. And yeah. We don't need to go too far down that. But I've found that the most effective form of meditation for me isn't just one time a day for thirty minutes in a row. Yeah. But it's literally wherever I am taking 60 seconds, maybe it's 90 seconds, I don't even count, it's as long as I need, just to close my eyes, kind of breathe through my belly, which is another way of saying a diaphragm breath, pushing that belly button out, and just noticing me. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, I'll I'll have gone to a meeting that might have been fun and productive, or maybe it was a shitty meeting, the equivalent of your traffic jam. I just sit in my car for, turn off the, turn off the music of the podcast, and just notice me. Yep. I think that's great. Yeah, and I find that takes me three minutes a day. Yeah. Another, and, another, oh yeah, sorry. And then, yeah, and it's just becoming aware of what it is to be stressed out for you. Totally. 
Um, another thing that I really like, or one thing that I realize is that if I distract myself with my phone, it, it puts me in a state of, of, it doesn't, it doesn't change, but I don't improve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm totally interrupting, but one of the things that I noticed when I'm stressed out is that I pick up my phone more. Yeah. So yeah, look at your phone because yeah, you're looking for a little bit of dopamine. Exactly right. It's a, it's a chicken or egg sometimes. Like does the phone make you stressed or are you stressed so you get your phone? But like if I'm picking up my phone over and over, I realize that that's when I need to take that 90 seconds, close my yeah. eyes and breathe. Yeah. So one thing I found has been helpful is that when I'm super stressed or when I'm stressed, yeah, I, I can do the breathing thing. I can do that. But if I'm just, you know, I'll just put my phone aside, put it in the other room. And then literally just sit down, close my computer, literally just sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee, like nothing else right there. I saw this, this tweet. I think I told this to you. It was a tweet or Instagram, one of those meme accounts. And it was like, I saw a guy at the coffee shop, no computer, no phone, just drinking coffee like a madman. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like that idea to me is, is it, it really spoke to me because I love coffee, but I would probably love it more if I thought about it yeah. or I take baths all the time. So instead of taking a bath, listening to a podcast, playing a game on the phone, put the phone in the other room and just take a bath with some essential oils and just enjoy the fact that I'm sitting in wonderfully hot water. It's awesome. I mean, you think CrossFit is hard. You think Fran is hard. Putting away your phone and confronting you and silence for 20 minutes a day. Yeah. That shit's hard. Right. Um, I mean, one thing that I think about a lot, you know, I have a philosophy background, which doesn't help with anything. It just annoys the shit out of me and, my, <laughs> and the people around me. You know, are we fundamentally, and I'm just thinking about, you know, let's say people who live in, you know, major American cities, and, you know, I don't know how things go in like Canada or Mexico or whatever, but at least here in the Western world, all we do is look at our phones. Yeah. And have phones and screen time, like when do we reach the point where we're broken? as oh. human beings. Yeah. And broken is a loaded term because I'm I'm assuming that we know what the function of a human being is. Yeah. But that's why I love that question is cuz when I look at my phone and I'm feeling stressed over and over, the first thing that occurs to me is can you imagine that like a thousand years ago people used to just sit there and talk yeah. and be alone with their friends and themselves and yeah. what that's like? I can't even remember what that was like when I was, you know, a kid. Yeah. You know, when, cause there was always, always TV then there wasn't even TV. So I don't know what the function of a human being is. I tend to think we're more animals than, uh, than a lot of people would like to, to admit. So maybe there's not a great function, but I think, I truly think that I'm a little bit broken and certainly the, the kids these days are oh, broken. Totally broken. And um, I'm broken too. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, and that's sort of one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast and I, I blatantly copy Joe Rogan's format of just having a conversation because yeah. I love the idea of getting someone's attention for two hours, an hour and a half, even an hour yeah. and just having this type of conversation because this could never happen in you know real life or you know like if I didn't have the excuse of a podcast, it would be really difficult to nail you down for two hours yeah. because you know you got to sell beer, you got to do things and we, we got lives you know yeah. and, and lives move pretty fast these days. Yeah before we even started this podcast, you know I was telling Sean like uh, he had a, he had a meeting run late. And uh, he's like, I gotta push the podcast back 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, we all have jobs, we're all running around. And I was like, ah, maybe I'll just postpone it to another day. And I was like, no, I just kind of wanna talk for an yeah. hour and a half. 
It feels good. It feels and, great. And one of the like going back to like the reason why I started the podcast, like I honestly I don't care if anybody listens. You know, like it's it's as much for me as it is for anybody else. Like yeah. I, I just figured I want to talk to people in a long format and really get to know what they think and yeah. what they believe and you know what insights they have in life. I don't I there's no pretense in my mind that anybody really gives a shit what I have to say about right. anything. And if they do, gravy. Yeah. Gravy. Um, I'm just here to, you know, fl- flesh out ideas. Yeah. Be- I love that. I love that. Oh, I think, you know, going, going to this idea of brokenness, I think is, you know, is, is really important. And I think one of the, one of the themes of what we talked about is notice, notice your mobility weakness, notice your nutritional weaknesses, notice your fitness weakness, notice, 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 notice. Um, I think noticing your, you know, technology addiction is, is really important too. Um, it's something that, that, I think we all, it's safe to say everyone struggles with, yeah. right? Like this is, this is a, a big problem, a big problem. And like, I've, I've even gone as far as like, I haven't like talked to Julianne about it, but like kind of want to institute like a technology Shabbat, you know, where it's like, I don't yep. know. I don't know that. I understand what you're saying. Right. It's an interesting word, but. Well, Shabbat, like the, so Orthodox Jews or, you know, the Jewish tradition is, uh, I think Friday night at sunset till sunrise Sunday morning no technology like they can't flip light switches they certainly don't look at their phones they do no work they rest yeah i kind of like that idea that's a great idea um but you know the problem with and again it's just what i was alluding to earlier with stress management i confront these social constructs these social facades about what's expected of me and i break you know oh, yeah. because you know, I'm in sales and I've just got to look at my phone. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job. Right. Or we all know, like I, I read um, in, in Virginia schools that you can take HTML as a language in high school instead of German or Spanish or whatever, right? You can take coding as a language now. And I was thinking to myself, that's great because we have to keep up, Right. You know, you always hear that, you know, uh, the Japanese or whoever, you know, they're crushing us on science scores. Yeah. And you look at man- the fact that in our economy, like manufacturing is gone. Like, what are we going to do? All we can do is compete in, in science and technology. We have to have the next big idea. You know, I'm going to listen to a TED talk and I'm going to be stressed out because I feel like I'm just this dude who kind of needs to chill. But I can't chill because they woke up at 4 a.m. and they're going. Um, so I'm constantly confronted with this idea that if I'm not good with technology, I'm behind. Yeah. And I realize I, that I'm a little bit broken, but you have to do it. You're, I don't mean, I don't, it's yeah. like slave's not the term, but sometimes I feel that way. Like yeah. it's not an option yeah. to not be a little bit stressed out. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, I, I completely agree. I mean, certainly with the business, right? If I'm not on top of technology, then it's not going to, the gym's not going to go well, right? If I don't, if I don't have a website because I'm, you know, totally like low key stress, you know, then yeah. that's not going to work, right. right? If I'm not active on social media, if we're not doing the things that we need to do as a business, but I think, I think there's a balance, right? There's a balance of expectations. We all know the person who, answers your emails and texts the second you send them. Yeah. And we know the person who never answers your emails or texts, right? It's probably not good to be either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a day for an email seems reasonable. Maybe two days, three days if it's a weekend seems reasonable. Uh, 
six hours for a text kind of seems reasonable, you know, maybe not if it's your wife, <laughs> but I mean, to me, it's understanding first, recognizing that you, that you admitting you have a problem, right. And then taking actions to improve, right. Um, you know, one thing, another, another idea I have that I'm, I'm too much of a coward to actually implement is just getting like a phone box. Like we have a, this little box that closes and we just put our phone in the box and if you want to use the phone, you have to go to the phone box, pull your phone out, use your phone, put it back in the phone box. You get the, the sh- when it opens, it makes a noise. It's like shame. 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 That would be awesome. But like, imagine coming home at night, you put your phone in the phone box, yeah. you know, you're home with Morgan, I'm home with Juliana, friends are over, your phone's in the phone box. Yeah. And now you're, now you're home, you're present. Yeah. That's a great idea. Um... Hashtag phone box. Yeah, and, and I, I, that kind of reminds me a little bit of like, uh, you know, the five cents tax on on bags yeah. in DC. Because five cents, or it's one cent, or I don't know what it it's is. Five it's five cents. Okay. Not going to make or break me. You know what? If I need a bag, I'll get a bag. Yeah. But it makes me think about it just for a second. Am I yep. killing the earth a little bit by using this bag? So I find, like, when I'm in Virginia now all the time, I'm like, no, I don't want a bag. They're like, the what do you mean you don't want a bag? You <laughs> Take two. Yeah. Double shit. bag that battery pack. I know. Um, <laughs> but I think about it. And so if the box is in the corner and you need it because there's a work issue or something that you want to check up on, fine. But you got to go through the process of basically the shame, it, well, it, so it, to speak. It makes it a conscious effort versus a sub, uh, unconscious effort, right? Like I can't tell you how many sports games I've watched where the commercial comes and I pick up my phone. And I'm just on Instagram or whatever during the commercial playing some stupid game. And then the game starts up again. A game I'm interested in, but now I'm more interested in what's happening on my phone. All the time. So then then I'm on my phone through the next commercial break. And then there's another commercial break. And I'm like, oh, shit. And before I know it, I've been on my phone for, for an hour. And didn't watch and the game. didn't watch the game at all. Yeah. Or it's gotten so bad for me at some point. It's like if there's a football game on between plays. I'll pick up the phone and be like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. Between oh, plays. I always look at Twitter on games. I'm like, oh, what are, what are people thinking about that play? Yeah. I mean, so it, does it not matter? Can the box, does the box need a cover? Or is it just like a, I think it has to have a cover. It I think it has to have a cover. It, it well, can't be a, just like an open. Well, I think there needs to be two things. There needs to be a box and there needs to be a square, a square on the ground, right? So you have to go to the box to get out your phone. And then you have to, the only place that you can use the phone in your house is if you're standing in the square. Oh, so there's the box. Oh. There's the box of shame, and then there's the square of, of and, depravity. And, and the square also <laughs> means that, like you know, you can't. You're not going to interact with people, right? So you're not going to take that poison to other parts of the home, exactly. Right? You have to be on the square. That's and, good. and it works the other way around too. Where if if you're standing in the square, I know that you're focused on the phone. Yeah, and that's okay because you're in the square. Yeah, and I'm not going to try to have a conversation with you when you're when you're busy answering a work email or when you're responding to a work text or when you're talking to your friend. Like that's fine. You're in the square. You've identified that your priority is on your phone. I'm gonna it's get great. a bo- I'm gonna get a box today. All right, sweet. Uh, Juliana, when you listen to this, entertain the idea of the box. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of these ideas that I think would be a really good idea for my life, but it is so hard to implement. Yeah. You know, like I can imagine it's as daunting as the person who drinks a liter of Coke every day and listening to this podcast being like, "Don't drink Coke." And they're like, "The hell are you talking about?" We all have our we all have our demons. It just so happens that we all have the technology demon. Yeah, I, I think too. Like you know, just if it's if you're at home, that's not sustainable. So I think I would do something like uh, I don't know, like 
Seven thirty phones going seven, to bed. Seven thirty until yeah. Just have like a probably through breakfast because yeah. Every who doesn't wake up and look at their phone exactly. So it's seven thirty through breakfast. Yeah, is the answer. I've heard of people doing uh, like a technology sunset, mm-hmm. and it's at, this is actually really good for sleep, right? Because blue light, mm-hmm. a ton of blue light comes through our technology, comes through the TV, comes through our technology. But if you have a technology sunset, say eight o'clock, or even if that's too early, say say nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, all technology goes off. We're not, no TV, no phones, uh, maybe a few lights around the house. Ideally, we're, we're doing candles because that's yeah. kind of cool. Um, just shut everything down. Yeah. And I, like the, humans used to go, like the idea of, of nighttime, of being awake after the sun goes down is a relatively new idea. And yeah. we're talking like two, maybe three generations. That's crazy to me. It's crazy. But the idea of going to bed at, at six p.m. in the winter, you'd be like, who the hell are you? Yeah. I mean, speaking of stress management, I mean, we're the only animal or plant on the planet that doesn't hibernate a little bit. I mean, I guess there are evergreens or whatever, but plants lose their leaves for most of the year or at least the winter. Um, You know, animals, maybe they don't strip get in the cave and hibernate, but they slow down and they certainly sleep when it's dark outside or vice versa, right? right? They sleep when it's light outside. So we're literally the only animal that has that social construct where it's go, 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 more caffeine, go, go, go. Yeah. Why aren't you up at 4 a.m.? Even in the dark, miserable days of winter. Yeah. And again, I, we were talking about being a broken human being implies that I know what it is to be a human and what the function is. And I implied that we're, I think we're a little bit more animal in terms sure. of our function than, uh, than some of the higher ideas of humanity might pretend. But if we're an animal... We need to chill a little bit this time of year. It's it's the universe telling us that, uh, hey, it's dark outside. Yeah. Go relax. Summer will be here, and you can totally. live it up in the summertime. But Yeah, I mean, I think... Rest. Like, rest. Fuck. And a lot of this is we take other people's expectations, and we make them our our expectation, right? Like, if I, if I know that you answer emails really quickly, I'm more intentionally trying to reply to your emails quickly because I know that that you respect that and I don't want to disrespect you because that's really what ignoring things turns out to be. It's like, I don't want to disrespect you. So I want to call you back. I want to text you back. I want to, if you like something on Facebook, I want to like you back, right? It's it's reciprocity. And so one thing that that I have been trying to get better at, and I think it's, it's something to be aware of, is I want to define my own standards and not be defined by your standards, right? And so I want to, like if, if you wake up first thing, check your email, everybody else besides you sets your agenda for the day. But if I wake up and do my work that I need to do to move my life forward, whether it's, you know, cooking breakfast or cooking food like or... Whatever you, you set know, your priorities right. as, yeah, whatever. If, if I set my priorities and then... I look at your priorities, then that's great. And you should be doing the same thing. Yeah. And I think the the massive interconnection of, of society makes it so that we're always serving other people and almost never serving ourselves. Yeah. And part of this is like learning to respect the fact that somebody else has set a boundary and setting your own boundaries and not judging, you know, like oh, Jason doesn't text me back after eight o'clock. What a, you know, like, oh, look at him. He's so, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Like, arrogant. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy anyway. Right, exactly. Doesn't he know the rules of 2018? Right. He's supposed to be as stressed as I am. 
No, he's chilling. Yeah. So I think it's it's learning to uh, set your own, and, and this goes back to the very first thing that we were talking about, right? Like, how do you not gain fifty pounds as a as a beer sales rep? Well, you you set boundaries that protect your health and wellness, right? Yeah. And that's really the whole theme of this whole thing, right? Like focus on yourself and you will be a better, you know, be a better employee, a better boss, a better spouse, a better, you know, friend. And sometimes that's slowing down a little bit. Yeah. And it makes you better at everything. I, uh, when I first got into meditation and mindfulness, I told you and, and Dr. Mike, actually, my, my greatest fear was that, you know, I, in my mind, I, I you know, I wasn't on, you know, I was yeah. like meditation was synonymous with sleepiness. Right. And like, wait, I can't just like slow down. But then you realize that slowing down makes you better at everything. And and the analogy is always, you know, if you don't love yourself, who can love you? Or right. if you're in a crashing plane, you've got to put your mask on first because you can't help people right. if you're not breathing. Yep. Um, and so I think the moral of the story is you just got to take that to heart and, and make sure that, you know, you're taking care of you yeah. so that you can take care of everybody around you. Slow down and speed up. So I don't speak. <laughs> yeah, Jocko Willink has this concept of like detachment, right? He's a Navy SEAL, warfighter, whatever, and he he talks about it in the context of war. And he's like, sometimes all you need to do is step back from the firing line, look at the big picture, and then realize what needs to happen. But same principle needs to happen in our lives. Like we get so caught up in the day to day, sometimes we just need to pump the brakes, stop the car, get out, make sure we're on the right road, reassess. And uh, change directions, right? So, what wheel is missing, right? Because we can get so focused on the car being out of alignment that we miss the fact that we're missing a wheel, right? And then work on work on your biggest wheel, you know. And I'm not talking about like I don't want like I don't want people to listen to this conversation and then go and then try to cut 200 carbs a day, add more protein, quit drinking soda, stop adding sugar to their coffee, meditate four hours every day, put their phone in the box, like this. This for us has been a decade evolution. For me, it's like certainly a decade. For you, it sounds like the same. I mean, this this is this is a process, man. This is getting better literally one step at a time, one yeah. day at a time. Yep. And, and, I, and I and I we say ten year process like like we're complete. Oh, for and sure. And it's certainly not the case. I mean, you know, I said stress management's what I'm working on. So what read between the lines, that means I meditate every day for three days and then I don't for seven days. Right. Or, you know, I, um, I go to bed at eight o'clock every night for two nights and then I'm up until 2 PM or 2 AM. So it's, it's a, it's a consistent, you know, wave of, of successes and failures and incorporation, incorporating what works. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I know you got to go pretty soon. Any, uh, any parting words of wisdom? Uh, I want to keep talking, man. Oh, let's do it. Fuck yeah. I got like 15 minutes. Oh, good. Oh man. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. We can talk about anything. So um, one one thing that really interests me about uh, your background is uh, you said like psychology, right? Through philosophy. Philosophy. That's yeah, same yeah. same thing. Yeah. Um, but your your kind of understanding of the of the hero, I want to I want to know more about this. Uh, understanding the hero, yeah. So Sean asked me what I wanted to talk about, and I told him I'd been reading this book by uh, this. She was like a head English headmistress. Um, for like her whole life. And yeah. then when she was 80, she started writing about the Greeks. Um, so that, you know, gives you a little, uh, background on who wrote this book, but it's called the Greek way. And it's just basically, uh, it's a little tiny book, not about mythology, but about the great 
authors, whether that be poetry, tragedy, histories, and, and you know, Greek in the Greek times. And I, what I left with is just this just amazing, uh, just just the uh, heroism of their everyday worldview blew me away. Basically, you know, you start to confront things like uh, the idea that you know, man is a flower, uh, he bloom in the day and wither earth at night, right? It's it's a shadows game. It's basically, you know, you could die right now. Yeah. And there, there are two kinds of people, maybe there's more, but there are people who take that and they're depressed and they're like, shit, oh man, and they, they slow down. Yep. They, they go, you know, retreat within, retreat within. And then there are people who see that as, a call, uh, uh, the bat signal to, yeah. to step up and live right now in the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a very big samurai concept. I read Shogun and then, uh, Musashi, which are two great books recommend anybody reading, but one of their philosophies is like, Whoa, today is a good day to die. Yeah. Right? Like my life is complete. I've buttoned up all the things and today would be a good day to die because I've done everything that I can do. Is yeah. that kind of the, yeah, uh, it, it is. And you know, Back when I was studying philosophy and listening to sad indie music, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite bands uh, is, is a band called Modest Mouse, and uh, you know the lyrics are great. And uh, one of the lyrics that I I always think about so much is that um, everybody's afraid of their own life. If you could be anything that you want, you would be disappointed. Am yep. I am I right? And you know, there's it's another way of saying that like you feel like a slave to your phone like we were just talking about or you feel like you know you're bound to these things and you forgot to focus on you and what your goals were that day and you're so scared of of failure and i'm not scared of failure i'm afraid of disappointing people that i love and respect for sure like i would never want to disappoint you know, my boss at Port City. I would never want to disappoint my father or my mother. I don't want to disappoint you or Morgan. For sure. Like, failure is not a big thing for me, but disappointing the people around me. And so that's what drives a lot of my actions on the both conscious and subconscious level. And consequently, I forgot about me. Yep. And so I'm reading this book about the Greek heroes, and they make it okay to be strong. You know, they make it okay to uh, shirk the societal, you know, boundaries and institutions because they are strong, heroic human beings who know that today is the day to live. You know, um, the Greek tragic worldview is that every once in a while people find themselves in a moral conundrum or in a bad spot, a rock and a hard place, and it's not their fault. You live your life, and eventually you find yourself hanging by a thread, yeah. even though you've done everything correctly. And the question is, how do you respond? Mm. Courage can't save you, necessarily, but it'll show you that your soul is alive. So one thing that and, you, Oh, yeah. And that's the person I strive to be, is the person who is courageous in the moment, because... I want to live my priorities. Right. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the the 
the hero archetype is the the strong person, and it gives you it gives you permission, quote unquote, to to be that strong person. In what ways do you feel society isn't letting you be that strong person? Like, do you have a, a specific example of of like what that means, or is that everything that we've been talking about? Dude, I don't want to. Oh man, this is gonna get. So uh, the interesting thing to me is that the opposite of the Greek archetype would be the platonic archetype which is a greek and that is known uh these days as the christian archetype interesting um which is uh in in brief the the meek shall inherit the earth uh the the man who sacrificed himself for everyone around him yeah so um basically you know kind of like one of the analogies that I read in this book uh, was that, and this is going to sound awful, but it's interesting. Everything's interesting. Yeah. Is that, you know, after World War II, sure, there are a couple monuments out there, but Hitler, or, or the point being is the most famous uh, artifact or person of World War II is Anne Frank. Right, and that's up for debate. But basically, the person we put on a pedestal is this tragic, weak, helpless person, and we don't celebrate the people who not just fought on in the trenches, but the people who stood up and were shot down. Yeah. In confronting, you know, evil, and so. Well, I mean, I think you can celebrate two people at, at the same time. Right. I mean, right. I, I think certainly the, the the heroes of World War II are certainly celebrated. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, like Band of Brothers is a good example. Uh, I um, mean, yeah. I mean, so that's that's just just something I read this morning, and I was and I was thinking about it. Yeah. So I want to circle back to to the Platonic uh, archetype and the the Christian archetype because I literally just. Uh, heard Jordan Peterson talk about that quote, the, the meek shall inherit the earth. And uh, his perspective on it was fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So what he says, and I haven't done, you know, due diligence and researched everything to make sure that this is like, you know, fact check or... I'm pretty news. sure everything we say is like 90% the case there. Yeah. And Jordan Peterson, anyway, smart guy, I trust him. So he says that the original word is not, like, meek isn't the right word to describe it. What, what The Aramaic or Greek, the original word from the from the text of the Bible represents this idea that, like, meek represents this this idea that that it's the person who is who has all the strength but opts not to use it, right? Who has the power but chooses not to use the power. Right, like I can kill you, but I choose not to kill you. Sure. That's who inherits the earth, and I think that archetype is so much different than just being the weak little take advantage of me type. So, in in no way does anybody think meek would mean what you just defined, but that's I mean, that, that's what the Aramaic meant. Is that that's what that's what Jordan Peterson yeah, says yeah, yeah. that the original word means. So I mean, v- very specifically, the great man who chooses not to use his power is is the Greek archetype yeah. of the great man. Um, you know, uh, Nietzsche in uh, you know he wrote a book called The Genealogy of Morals. Uh, Nietzsche, who's you know, bias, not really a philosopher, he was a l- trained linguist. Yeah, and what he did was he went back to the Greek terms for good and evil. Hmm. And he tried to define what those words meant then, which obviously has some implications to what they mean now. And good was basically synonymous with strong, right? And somebody who could take 
not just like take what they wanted, but somebody who had the ability to mold the earth around them. Yeah. Um, and consequently, the archetype for a great man was the person who had that power but didn't use it. Yeah. Um, so, and bad was synonymous with basically weak. Yeah. People who could not shape the world around them to their yeah. their dreams or whatever. So, I mean, if the meek shall inherit the earth implies that, then... I think we're all doing the, the Christian archetype a little bit wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, as a, you know, certainly I'm I'm a, I'm a Christian. I know that that you're different than different than that. But as a Christian, like I, I certainly don't believe the way to live is to be taken advantage of and to be walked all over and to be weak. Right? There's you know, certainly you can mold the Bible by quote quote by quote to to represent whatever you want it to believe. Right? You can Google any topic and and read a million quotes on both sides. But my understanding of the Bible is to to be to be strong, to be powerful, to take care of myself, and to express myself in loving ways that 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 honors other people, yeah. right? And sometimes that means establishing boundaries and being being strong, right? Like if you if you want to hurt my kid, uh, you're going to have to hurt me, right? Because that's that's protecting, that's honoring my family. Right. Um, but it also means like not being a dick, right? Like I don't want to, I don't want to just be mean to you because I, I have the power to be mean to you. Right. Like I'm your boss. So you work at 5am. Uh, no, that's not exactly how it works. Right. I need to respect you as a human. You respect me as a human. And through that mutual respect, we, we can have, you know, cordial community. But I also know that if, if you cross me, there's hell to pay sort of thing. Right. I'm not going to let you take advantage of me, basically, is my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's an interpretation that, I mean, aligns with kind of the hero that I want to think about. Um, I guess, you know, just from a, a non-churchgoer perspective, the traditional, and, and as, as a non-churchgoer, that makes me uh, not informed about the Bible and all of those things, so I'm probably wrong. I mean, as a churchgoer, I'm less but, informed than I'd like to be, too. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that you know, the Christian worldview is often seen as a celebration of not the weak necessarily, but a, a love and an appreciation for the weak. Um, weak, that sounds awful. But you see what I'm saying, though? I, I only say these things because, you know, it's just interesting to talk about what it is to be a hero. For sure. But, you know, the, the, the enemies in the, in, the, in the Old Testament are always... The Romans and the the, the big strong, yeah, the big strong, yeah, exactly. The um, David exactly. or the the Goliath, right? And, um, and the people who are celebrated are, are the boys who you know, like David, just a kid, you know, had no powers, got got lucky. Um, well, not got lucky, but you know, see, that's aside from the point, right? Well, I mean, like one of the one of the points is, I think that represents the the hero's courage. That represents the being being. Uh, strong and having power. Like even if you're the underdog, stand up for what's right, stand up for righteousness, stand up for correctness. Right. And back to your point, like in the face of Nazi Germany, are you, are you the person? And this is something I think about all the time, especially when I was in the Navy and in the military at the Naval Academy, we would talk about this all the time. Like if you were born into, you know, let's just say if you were born 1910 German citizen, would you be a good Nazi? Probably. Right. Like probably. There were thousands of good Nazis, right? That's that's what humanity is capable of, right? 
hum- like we are all capable of of evil of pure evil and we need to understand that and we need to use our strength for good and not and 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 be aware that if if we're not focused on being good that the default is probably something less than that and i think the people who you see it in the you know the civil rights movements like who were the who were the white people marching with the black people yeah like those were the people who weren't going to be good nazis right yeah. most people you know were, if you were born in 1930s south most white people are probably going to grow up to be racists yeah because that's the culture and because the default of humanity is evil. And I think it's always important. Like if you're the person who's sitting there listening to this being like, ah, that would never be me. It's probably going to be you. Yeah. Right. Because you're not, you're not confronting this and recognizing what you're truly capable of. So I think I mean, what I'm hearing with the hero's journey is it's this idea that, uh, I want to recognize my power, but constantly ensure that my power is being used heroically and not being used, uh, destructively. Correct. Correct. And another way of looking at it is compared, you know, relative to what we said is that, you know, I hope that I have the spirit, you know, to shirk societal norms. I keep saying societal norms. It's got to be a better term, but you know what I mean? Like we're talking about uh, phone, phone slavery, you know, just, just being attached at the hip and, and not being able to break free from your boss or your friend's texts. And the hero is not necessarily the person who pulls the sword and slays the dragon, but the person who can be present in their own life and forget what's happening around them and be what they want to be. Perhaps, perhaps another way to say it, because uh, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I think take control of your own life. Yeah, I think the hero is the person who operates within their own morality for their own justification, right? Like. If, if I start to act in a way that, that like, if I, if I act in a way where, where you, where I want you to think that I'm a good, you know, boss or a good coach or a good whatever, I'm not acting for myself anymore. I'm yeah. acting for you. Yeah. My friend uh, Thomas Dostry has this idea of existing without a question mark, right? Like, don't make, don't do things that end with a question mark. Oh, it's like, let's do this for strength programming. No, like, hey, here's what I think we should do for strength programming. And if you disagree with that, let's talk about it because I'm totally open to having that conversation. But this is what I think is the best. Convince me I'm wrong or tell me I'm right. That yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. As opposed to like, what's Jason going to like? Is he going to like it like this? Like that's weak, but we should be strong. And I think strength is understanding who you are, who you want to be, and operating in your own moral compass in that regard and not operating because you want somebody else to think that you're a certain yeah. archetype. I think that's exactly how we should be living. We should be living without a question mark. We should be living not for ourselves selfishly, but within our own moral compass. And that moral compass is defined by trying to be good to ourselves, be good to our families, be good to others, and just be a good force in the world. And don't be defined by other people. Define yourself. Be your own hero. Damn. Be your own hero. That's the title of the podcast. Be your own hero. Be your own hero. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's super fascinating. Um, we should get overwhelmed sometimes with the uh, the amount of great ideas that are out there. Um, just trying to be the best that I can every day, struggling, but it's a process for sure. You know. Yeah, and like one of the one of the things that I battle with, like with doing this podcast, is like coming off as preachy. You know, because I don't want, like who am I to tell you how to live your life, right? All I'm doing is telling you how I live my life. And maybe you get something out of it. And maybe what you get out of it is that Sean guy's an idiot. <laughs> and I don't want to do anything like him because his life sucks. Yeah, yeah. And that's cool. 
And I, I mean, what I get out of it is, you know, you know, they say when you teach, you learn. And the same thing is true of just like talking out loud with your phone in the corner for two hours is hopefully, you know, you came away with more questions than answers. For sure. And, uh, you know, one thing that I'm sure of is that if you squat more, everything else around you is happier and better. (laughs) So I know that 100% to be the case. But other than that, oh my God, I just have so many questions about the way to to live the right the right yeah. life. I do my best. I try to be good to the people around me, but it's, it's tough, man. It's super tough. But I, I think it, it literally is. It's like fitness. It's like health. It's like anything else. It's a continual trial and error. Mm-hmm. And the people who you know are the best at you know the best at life are the people who are humble enough to and and restrict their ego enough to recognize when they made mistakes and own them and the people who have the strength and courage and bravery to try to change right like okay i recognize the phone's a problem let's let's try something that was a total failure i you know missed 18 calls and you know this totally backfired right yeah. like i'm sorry for that made a mistake yeah. but like it's 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 having the courage to try and then owning failures yeah. And I think I think that's a good step. I mean, certainly that's what I try to do. I try to I try to I try to improve my life every day and then when I make mistakes, which is going to happen on a daily basis if not more frequently, yeah. um, apologizing to the people that are wronged and making a commitment to do better next time. Absolutely. I think before the podcast I was saying I was talking about the hero and I said god, we just don't live in heroic times. There's not the opportunity really to stand up to Hitler. I mean, sure, you know, maybe you don't like, you know, uh, the administration or maybe you don't like, you know, your boss and you can stand up, but you can be your own hero every day by choosing yourself, you know? Totally. And, um, I, and I think there's an infinite... So it's, it's always heroic time yeah. in that sense. I think there's an infinite possibility to be a hero. Like, you can be a hero for, you know, like, by being nice to the to the Seven Eleven clerk that, you know, just is having a really crappy day. Like you can be that person's hero. And what, what, what I think my job as a coach is, and this is where maybe you and I slightly disagree on coaching philosophy. Maybe that's another conversation, but yeah. I want someone to come in the gym and leave feeling fucking great about themselves. Even if they sucked at everything, their squats suck, their mobility sucks, their nutrition sucks, their performance sucks. I want them going away feeling like shit. I just conquered the world. Yeah. You know, and not that my job, like my job isn't obviously to like, pat them on the back and make them feel good about things that are totally wrong, yeah. but like make them feel good about the fact that they're trying to be better, right? I want to be the best part of someone's day, right? And I think, yeah, like I, I heard a podcast where, you know, like this, this guy was, you know, he's in his forties and he's talking about a situation where his dad didn't stand up for him when he was a kid. Like, so every day you have a, the, the, the opportunity to stand up for your family, to stand up for yourself, to defend your morality, defend your beliefs, and to improve yourself. That's the hero's journey, man. And when you're doing that, when you're doing all the small things, you're going to be more equipped to stand up to Hitler when, that, when and if that day ever comes, right? Because you're going to be aware of the fact that there's something very bad happening. And you're going to be, you're going to be part, of the, part of the good or not. Yeah. Because maybe, maybe not. Like part of the hero's journey is a lot of heroes die. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, what I started off with is, uh, you know, the idea that life is fleeting, that is just an abyss afterwards, yeah. right? You know, we, uh, we live in the multiverse and there's, you know, a million, a billion stars with a billion planets or there's a, a billion galaxies that all have a billion stars and, 
really were just ants. And that's just one universe, right? Sure. And so there are people who see that and they're daunted and they retreat. And then there are people who say it doesn't matter because this is my life and I get to choose to be that hero right now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal. Sweet. Well, now I know you definitely have to go. So, uh, for all of you listening out there, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your time, Jason. And go out and be your own hero, right? Like that's what we're trying to get to make people do. And heroes don't have weak legs. They do not. And And, And they also hate technology. And they have giant biceps. So yeah. curls, squats, put your phone away. Wait, do you want to talk about the Olympics before we go? Yeah. Right, never mind. I was just going to say, dude, this, this, the short track speed skaters are ripped. No kidding. Right? Like, seriously. I was blown away. <coughs> right. Um, God damn, they have big legs. Anyway. Those curlers, though. Yeah, they, they, they glide. <laughs> they glide. Yeah. All right, you guys. Thanks bye, so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks for your time, Jason. Yeah, dude.